0: This is the Joe and Amber podcast. You know, Joe's very fancy. He has a fancy television career in addition to a named show here on ESPN radio. He's something that we all aspire to be. I, for one, look at Joe's television career, and I think I, too, maybe one day will be able to get guest hits on shows like this Justin And then Joe Fortenbaugh went on that show today in his big moment of shine. He quite literally didn't shine because you didn't have the (laughs) lights on in the studio. What was happening?
1: Wow, an hour meeting and text messages all day to set up tonight's show. No one brought up this opener. I see that we've been keeping (laughs) this under wraps for the uh, duration. I I got no explanation. I'm thrilled that everyone, and literally when I say everyone, I mean everyone at ESPN Radio. Thank you all for reaching out and checking on (laughs) me. Thank you for your commentary, your jokes. I had no idea. We had so many just... Brilliant, comedic minds working with us. So, yeah, the lights just went out. The part you don't see on TV is four to five individuals busting into the room, scrambling to try to fix it, literally talking to me as they're doing it, saying, we don't know what the problem is, not realizing we're still on the air. I'm still trying to figure this out. People yelling. At one point, three of them look at me and they give me the shrug as if that's going to help. So we finish it in the dark. The world deprived of my beauty.
0: Well, wow. uh, well, that's one way of looking at it. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio to listen to us. It is that simple. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find him on social. Throw some of those brilliant jokes his way at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well. My joke of the day was you've never looked better, Joe, at Amber W Sports. That's how you find that kind of material. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your foam, and your furry friends with life electronic device And pet health insurance. So we've got a couple big ones. Did you say protect
1: your foam or your phone?
0: Phone, I think, is where I was going with that. Did I say foam? James?
1: Yeah, it was foam.
0: I think you're just lashing out there, Joe. I think you're lashing out for what we did to you because of your appearance there uh, or non-appearance. Uh, perhaps on this usually
1: Joe in. would have let it would let it slide, but <laughs> he's just a little bit angry. Tonight I'm on edge. Every single grammatical it. or or oral slip on her behalf tonight. Every thing that is not 100%. I'm just going to be sitting here looking to attack. I am on the defensive early in this show tonight. I really well, set I'm the just, tone for the show. No <laughs> welcome, I'm just everybody. not
0: at my best because it's hot in Florida this time of year. I don't know <laughs> if you guys are aware. And that's going to be a problem for the Knicks tonight because they're coming down to Miami Incredible tonight. Transition. They they forced a game 6, 7.30 p.m. tip off. So that game tips off in about 25 minutes from now. It is 80 degrees in Miami, Ignore the fact that it's about 82 degrees in New York right now. Warriors, Lakers, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern tip-off. We'll get into that series in a few moments. Let's start here, though, with Knicks Heat. I mean, they force a game six. It took a Herculean effort from Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes. They played every single minute of that game. 48 minutes. An unbelievable feat for those guys. I would imagine they would need to do it again tonight, Joe, and that feels like a tall ask.
1: So let's take a look at the betting market here to set the stage for what the experts think. Miami opens as a five-point favorite, very quickly bet up to six and a half. The pros are on Miami tonight. In addition, perhaps more alarmingly, total open 209 and a half. That's the over-under. That is all the way down to 204 and a half. That is a five-point move. That is incredibly significant. A lot of under money. The projection is that we are going to have a low-scoring game tonight. Big question here, and this leads right into what you were saying. Can the Knicks replicate what we saw in game five? And statistically, the answer would be no. That was their best shooting night of the entire postseason, Amber. 49% from the floor. How are they possibly going to do that again? Meanwhile, Miami had their fourth worst shooting night of the entire postseason. So you have a really bad Miami night. You have an excellent New York night. Law of averages says we're going to meet somewhere in the middle I don't know how the Knicks are going to be able to overcome that, considering they only pulled this last one out by nine points, and it looked like the Heat were packing it in for a minute in the second half there.
0: It very much looked like that. It's funny with this series, because going into the series, I think everyone was so excited for this series, especially if you remember Knicks' heat yep. of yesteryear, right? So we thought there was going to be a lot of juice, like, give me the 90s Knicks' heat. And then we've watched this series, and it has been absolute trash in terms of basketball. (laughs) And that's me saying that as a Heat fan. I mean, these teams offensively have been terrible to watch. And it very much felt like to me that the Heat, they were like, all right, we kind of want to win it at MSG tonight. But at the same time whatever, we have to go do it in game six in Miami. Like, we had gotten a couple more tries. That's how it felt like the attitude was. You did not get your best game from Jimmy Butler by any means. Jimmy Butler in this series, largely, the Knicks have done – a good job on him defensively maybe it's also that ankle injury he hasn't been the jimmy butler that he was in the buck series by any means i do wonder if you're going to see a slightly different jimmy tonight though because i'm one who very much believes that jimmy is a low-key hustler i think jimmy playoff jimmy is a very real thing despite his denials when you pull all the evidence it is there so even though he outwardly denies it and says it's not a thing It very much is a thing in every statistical category. He's one of these players that seems to be able to turn it on and take it up to another level when he feels like it, and he just doesn't always feel like it. I don't know if he felt like it in Game 5. And again, he's battling through an ankle injury, so that might be part of it. I would imagine that he'll be more motivated tonight to finish this thing out in Miami.
1: Two key reasons. The last thing you want to do is get on a plane and go back to New York for Game 7. At the same time, and this is Part B, the Sixers and the Celtics play Game 7 on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You want the extra rest this time of year. That extra rest is going to be critical. You and I talked about it on this show when we were predicting game one of the Warriors and the Lakers. And we said Lakers. And the primary reason was historically teams coming off a game seven win play very poorly in game one of the next series. If you're Miami, find a way to close it out tonight. You get an extra two nights of rest And then you're going to have a team coming off a Game 7 win. You are going to be in prime position, prime position, to steal Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: These teams are both banged up. It's been a grueling series, like I said. The lack of offense in this series. Both teams battling through injury. I mean, Butler tonight listed on the injury report once again. I expect him to play. Caleb Martin is on that injury report as well. He is listed as probable, expected to play. You still have Emmanuel quickly for the Knicks, not expected to play again for the Knicks tonight. Both of these teams beat up whoever comes out of the series, I would imagine, is going to uh, find a formidable opponent uh, in the next series. And if it's Miami, a little extra rest would certainly go a long way. Coming up next, the Lakers have the Warriors on the brink of elimination. Oh, but before we get to that, Joe is going to do what he does best.
1: Somebody else trying to bring the lights down on me today. Three of them here, all for the Knicks heat game. We'll give you the update on the overall record later in the show when we do the next one. I just want everyone to get these as fast as possible. Number one, we are going to lay the six and a half with the heat over the Knicks. Again, the Knicks are off their best shooting performance of the entire postseason. Miami off its third worst shooting performance, regression to the mean. Uh, Miami bounces back big off a playoff loss. Won by 22 and by 19 points off their previous two playoff losses. So Miami minus six and a half is pizza money number one. Pizza money number two, we're going to go back to the well. First half under 103 and a half points. Every game in this series has gone under the first half total. We expect that to happen again tonight, especially with regression coming for the Knicks in his shooting department. And then a player prop, Jalen Brunson, over 11 and a half rebounds plus assists. He's gone over this in every single game except for one in this series. The last three, he's had 14, 15, and 16. So your first three pizza monies of the night. Heat minus six and a half over the Knicks. First half under, 103.5. Knicks Heat, Jalen Brunson over, 11 and a half. Rebounds plus assists.
0: Okay, let me try this tease one more time. Coming up (laughs) next (laughs) here on Joe and Amber, the Lakers have the Warriors on the brink of elimination. What will LA need to do to take down the champs tonight? We'll get into that. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: Let's talk about that series. Let's bring in some help with that. Travis Rogers, host of the Travis and Sliwa show on 710 ESPN LA. And Travis, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Anthony Davis carted off the court in a wheelchair, uh, but it appears that he narrowly avoided concussion protocol. So good news there for the Lakers. What do you expect, though, to see from AD tonight? Do you think that he's going to be affected by that?
2: I think that he's going to be really good tonight. I think that the thing that we've kind of come to understand in L.A. with Anthony Davis is that the day or the game after the, you know, quote-unquote embarrassing thing or the bad game or the, the concussion that may have not have been a concussion is he usually responds really, really well. That it's kind of an on-again, off-again thing with him, and he's due to be on again. So I expect him to be very, very good, and quite frankly, if the Lakers want to win tonight, he has to be, because when he's good, they win. When he's not, it's a, it's a totally different ball game. So if they want to avoid going back to San Francisco on Sunday, he needs to be great for them tonight.
1: How have the Lakers done such an excellent job of limiting Steph Curry from going nuclear like he did multiple times against the Kings? I mean, he just can't get it going in this series.
2: Yeah, I think they've done a good job with him on just constantly making him work for every single thing he gets. And I know that that's kind of the normal thing that you try to do with Steph, and sometimes you're successful, sometimes you're not. You've seen them put a lot of different bodies on him. You saw them start with with Vanderbilt, who was pretty good in game one, has not been very good since. So they're just running, whether it's Austin Reeves or Dennis Schroeder or anybody else that they have to stick with him, they're switching it off pretty well. He could get hot at any single second. I think this is the great fear for Laker fans going into tonight's game: is that he does have one of those Steph sort of nights where he goes for 40. Or Clay, we know that Game Six Clay is a real thing. He has not been very good in the series. So those two guys in the gym are a really, really unsettling presence if you're rooting against them.
0: Travis Rogers. He hosts Travis and Sliwa on 710 ESPN LA joining us here on Joe and Amber. So Steph's numbers have still been really good, but by Steph's standards, he hasn't had that Steph game yet in this series. Same with LeBron. LeBron's been excellent by LeBron standards. He hasn't had that LeBron game yet in this postseason. Do you expect that's coming from him tonight? Is he saving it? Do you think he's still capable of having that game in this series?
2: I never want to say that LeBron James isn't capable of anything because I've seen him do it too many times, but I think that we really have kind of firmly entered the phase of LeBron James's career where this is kind of what you're going to get. Could he go for 35 or 40? Of course he can. He's LeBron, but I don't think that the Lakers need that. I don't think that the Lakers are expecting it. I think he's playing hurt. I think if you've been paying close attention, you've seen him towards the end of the uh, second half in Game 2 – Uh, excuse me, the first half in game two, where he just kind of fell when no one touched him. Uh, You saw him kind of wince on that foot in game five when no one was really near him. Uh, I think he's in a great deal of discomfort. Um, I think he's in his 20th season. He's 38 years old. He's played about a billion basketball games in his life. And whether he has that burst, that explosion that he's been able to summon his entire life, I hope so. But I don't think I'm counting on it. I don't think Laker fans are counting on it. And the good news is I don't think they have to have it. He needs to be good, not great. Anthony Davis needs to be great.
1: Travis, final question for you. If the Warriors do find a way to win tonight, they're currently three, three three-and-a-half-point underdogs depending on where you look. If they find a way to win tonight, how do you think it plays out in Game (laughs) 7?
2: Do we have to talk about that? Uh Look, I think that the very reason that Steph and Clay and Warrior fans were, I don't want to say okay with being down 3-1, but at least, hey, we're not dead yet, is because they have Steph and Clay and Draymond and Steve Kerr and all those guys have been through it a million times. I think the same thing would be true if, in fact, you get to a Game 7. LeBron James is on that team. Anthony Davis is on that team. And I know that... They've kind of been hit and miss along the way, but there is not a basketball game in the world that if you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you don't have a chance to win. I hope I don't have to find out. I know Laker fans don't want to have to find out, but if they do have to go back and play on Sunday, I think they got a chance. I don't know how good of a chance it is, but I don't think it's a lock that they lose.
0: Travis Rogers, host of Travis and Sliwa on 710 ESPN LA. Travis, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time.
1: My pleasure, guys. I mean, could you imagine the ratings on that?
0: If if these two go seven, seven,
1: I'm not saying the officiating will be suspect tonight. I would never suggest sort of thing. (laughs) But, you know, if you see the Warriors suddenly getting to the line or you see the Lakers not getting to the line as much as they have been, Hmm,
0: What are you implying, Joe (laughs) Fortenbaugh? We Uh, want game seven. Yes, uh, a lot of people want game seven. I don't think the Los Angeles Lakers are part of those lots of people who want game seven, though. I think that if you're the Lakers, you certainly want to take care of business here because I don't know what it would look like from an odds perspective. But I think that all of a sudden the consensus would seem to shift and people would be feeling a whole lot better about the chances of Golden State being able to pull it out. I thought it was interesting what he was saying there about LeBron because he's talking about how LeBron's played a million basketball games. He never wants to say that he can't do it anymore, but we haven't seen LeBron break 30 points yet this postseason, and I don't know if asking LeBron at this stage in his career – to score the 35 or the 40 in the postseason is necessarily that realistic. If he's going to give you that game, I would imagine he'd prefer to save that game for at least the conference finals to give you that kind of effort. So he would certainly be relying more on AD, assuming AD's healthy.
1: Well, two, okay, two things. One, to your point on what the point spread would look like in game seven, I talked to a bookmaker about this yesterday. I said if the Warriors win game six, how do you see it looking in game seven? What are you open to that? And he goes, well, how does game six look? I go, let's say it's a close competitive game for the Warriors. He goes, Warriors minus five. So interesting. Mm -hmm. You're seeing Boston minus seven right now for game seven against the Sixers. This would be Warriors minus five. So that gives you some idea of how the market could open. Number two, we get caught up in LeBron not reaching 30 points or scoring a lot. He's not necessarily trying to be the primary scoring option, though. If you go back in history and you see how many shots he used to take back in the day in the playoffs and what he's taking now, it's not as if he's missing a ton of shots. Game one, he had a rough night. He was 9 of 24. He shot 37%. But game two, he shoots 56% from the floor. Game three, he shoots 54% from the floor. Game four, this is the one to look at. He only shoots 40% from the floor, but he took 25 shots. So he got to 27 points. And then he shot 53% from the floor in the last game, which is incredible except he only took 17 shots. He's become more of a facilitator. His assist numbers are very high. His rebound numbers are high. His defense has been great. So he is getting older. He's not the same guy, but he's, he's doing what you're supposed to do at this age. You're supposed to evolve and adapt and play to your strengths. And I think he's proving that he's one of the all-time greats at being able to do that.
0: You're supposed to be able to do that, though, and you're only able to do that if Anthony Davis is able to be healthy. He's been healthy so far this series, but now with this sort of concussion issue, whatever it was, it seemed like a concussion. I guess it's not a concussion if he didn't have to enter concussion protocol. But coming off of that issue, we'll see how healthy Anthony Davis feels tonight when he plays. LeBron's gonna need him to be healthy, obviously. I just marvel at LeBron James, though. Like, that man is 38 years old. He has played a million basketball games he has quite literally been in the NBA since we were all practically children. And I'm sitting here like massaging my own neck to do a radio show. And I'm not much older than LeBron. <laughs> 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 I like, it's amazing that that guy is out there. I get out of bed and
1: you hear 31 different bones crack as I, that's <laughs> yeah, how I start it's... every single morning. I wake up and it's just a series of cracks. And my wife looks at me and she's like, what? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that that's... is.
0: That's 40. That's what that is. Coming up next, Tom Brady might be back in the NFL soon after all. We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: Rolling along here on Joe and Amber. You can find him on social at Joe Fortinbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Knicks Heat tipping off right now. We'll keep you up to date on the score in that game. Warriors Lakers tips off at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. But right now on Joe and Amber, it is time to sound on sound off.
2: They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on sound off with Joe and Amber.
0: When the Suns traded for Kevin Durant, the expectations in Phoenix went straight to championship or bust, but obviously things didn't work out that way. Chris Paul got hurt again, and the Suns didn't have the depth to make a run at a title, ending with an embarrassing 25-point loss to the Nuggets in Game 6. Our own Nick Friedell says don't blame KD.
2: He didn't control the pieces that went back in that trade. By, uh, by getting Kevin... The the Suns and their new owner Matt Ishbia, they just gutted the depth on the team. Now, if Kevin can't help this team win a title in the next couple of years while he's there, then absolutely the failure on the whole will be on Kevin. Because remember, I mean, he pushed for it. It, it was Phoenix is where he wanted to go if he was getting out of Brooklyn. But this season, uh, in the limited amount of time that he's had, I don't think as much as people love to blame Kevin for stuff you can push it to that level because he just hasn't had the opportunity to kind of learn what's, what's there around him. And, guys, let's be real. There wasn't that much
0: there. James Steele.
1: Hi. Uh, so, Joe, uh, Nick says don't blame Kenny, but what does this Suns team look like going forward? Oh, man, so much of it's going to come down to Chris Paul. Like, is he going to be back taking up a huge chunk of cap space or however they phrase it in the NBA? Because he can't play anymore. I mean, he's not washed, but he's 38, so he'll turn 39 next year, and he always gets hurt. This is the problem. He always gets hurt. You can't bank on him when you need him. you got two bona fide stars, but you've got to round out that depth. Look at the teams that are still left. Denver has a lot of support for Jokic. LA has a lot of support for not only LeBron, but AD as well. I mean, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, coming out of nowhere to help win that game. You go around this time of year, you're gonna need key depth pieces. So that's what it's gonna have to be. It'd be great if you could find a way to move on from Ayton. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but that team is way too thin. They didn't even get past the second round of the playoffs. I mean, they had the scratch and call for two wins and got blown out in the other four amber.
0: He's still got a couple years left on his deal, a partial guarantee next year on the deal. I, I don't know also how you move it, right? Because of everything that you just said there about Chris Paul. Also, it would be massively depressing. I think from just a basketball perspective, a lot of people, big fans of CP3, having watched his career, we all know that him getting that ring has been a thing his entire career. And then if they go on to do it without him, there would be something depressing about that, right? Like if they are able to move him, but yes, there are real problems on this son's team. I agree wholeheartedly with Nick Friedel. It's not KD's fault, but anybody who traded for KD in order to get that deal done, again, they were trading for Kevin bleeping Durant. Of course, you're going to have to give up a ton of assets in order to get him. It's not necessarily that it was some sort of bad trade by Ishbia. It's just who you were trading for. I think it was still absolutely worth rolling the dice, getting a generational player in KD when you can get him. Maybe it doesn't work out immediately because of the depth that you had to get rid of you're going to spend the offseason addressing that if they're able to address it I like their chances because you were still getting those crazy performances from Kevin Durant and you were still getting those crazy performances from Devin Booker and as long as you have those guys and you build around them in the right way then you've got a really good shot at winning a title. Last month, Tom Brady became an owner of the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces, and it appears he's looking to buy into another Vegas franchise. Here is our very own Adam Schefter.
1: We have Tom Brady in deep discussions with the Raiders and their owner, Mark Davis, about becoming a limited owner in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, it would be a passive ownership. You would not be involved in day-to-day decisions with the franchise. It would not be like he's sitting in the war room or telling his former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, what offense he should run or types of players he should have out there. But there have been discussions going on for weeks. It certainly seems like it is on a path to happening. Brady, his ownership would have to be approved by 24 owners. Hard to imagine that they would stand in the way of that happening. So right now it is tracking for Tom Brady to become a limited owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, Emerson. Tom Brady back in the NFL as an owner, I'll be in a limited one. What do you think about? Uh, what do you think about Brady as a limited owner of the Raiders?
0: I think it's not surprising at all, frankly. I think what will be more surprising is whatever Tom Brady's going to do about that crazy television contract, and now there's some reports out there that he's not going to end up taking the, what, $300 million or whatever it was to go be on TV. Nevertheless, him actually getting involved in ownership of an NFL team is not at all surprising to me because this was apparently the deal with Miami when Miami tampered with Tom Brady. That was all part of the story, that he was going to – sort of fake retire from the bucks. And then that's why maybe he only thanked the bucks at the time. Cause he wasn't really retiring from football. That's why he didn't really think new England at the time as well. He was going to end up down in Miami playing for Miami, but also becoming a part owner of the Miami dolphins because of his relationship there with Steven Ross, which stemmed back To Michigan so there was all that wrapped up in that very kind of bizarre Tom Brady story that again I don't feel like we ever covered enough I don't feel like it got enough like it was it was just so strange it was such a monster story I don't feel like it ever got that much coverage and then just all of a sudden the Dolphins lost a real first rounder for it so it must have been a real story. But that ownership portion of it, that's when I got the first inklings that Tom Brady wanted to be an owner of an NFL team. The other team he's always been linked to other than just the Dolphins and sort of flirted with or we've always thought maybe those flirtations were there and there have been reports that they were very real when he was leaving New England. He was considering going to the Raiders. It's that team in Las Vegas, so why not? If it didn't work out in Miami and you have another opportunity here, I'm not shocked to hear it, Joe.
1: I don't think it stops there. He already is a part owner of the Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA team that's here in Las Vegas. And Mark Davis is the owner of that. So they started there. And now he and Davis have a friendship and a partnership that is expanding into the NFL. And then I think ultimately, when LeBron brings the NBA to Las Vegas, Brady will be involved in that as well. I think this is just the next evolution of his career, ownership, big stages, bright lights. All the stuff you would expect from Tom Brady. But this is not the end, in my opinion. I think it's only going to grow. He's probably going to acquire more and more of the Raiders as time goes on. And then I think he's getting into the NBA as well.
0: These are not my words that are about to come out of my mouth next. You can imagine who wrote these words on the screen for me. You want me to read it? Here's the words. (laughs) In case you haven't heard, the Chiefs beat the Eagles to win their second Super Bowl in four years in February. There we go. I forgot
1: about that. Thanks for reminding me.
0: And yeah. it was revealed we'd be getting a rematch on Monday Night Football in Week 11. Here is Andy Reid on matching up with his old team once again.
2: Yeah, they're a good football team, great organization. I'm, as you know, I'm I'm close with a lot of the people there, and so um, they've uh, they they've got a heck of an organization, great city, and and good players. So it should be another another knockdown,
1: drag out battle. All right, so Joe. Which one of those teams is more likely to make it back to the Super Bowl this season? The Eagles or Chiefs? Oh man, what a question that is. Uh Kansas City, I would say. And this is coming from an Eagles fan. By the way, the matchup between the two, great job by the schedule makers. Both teams are going to be coming off a bye before that game. So you should get the best shot from both teams. Hopefully nice and healthy. I love the way that was scheduled. Philadelphia has a few things working in its favor. Number one, most notably a weak NFC. The problem, however, is they just went from one of the easiest schedules in NFL history to what is right now projected to be one of the hardest schedules in NFL history. Look at the stretch of games they have coming off their bye week. Don't quote me on this, but in no order. It's like Buffalo. It's Kansas City. Buffalo, San Francisco, there's a Seattle trip in there, I believe. You've got Dallas, you've got the Giants. It's just an absolute disaster coming off the bye. The personnel isn't as good. They lost some key players. And on top of that, they had remarkable injury luck last year. Yes, injury luck is a thing. Teams that have an inordinate amount of injuries, that'll regress to the mean just like scoring does. And the Philadelphia Eagles were very clean last season from an injury standpoint. I think they're going to get bit a little bit harder next season. So I would say Kansas city has a better chance to getting back than the Eagles do.
0: That was very objective of Joe. I am proud of him since he is in fact Thank an you. Eagles fan. I also agree with everything you said, Unfortunately, James, I would also say that your hands of city champs are likely to get back to this. i mean, you had a great chance and to drop the anvil the, on
1: him right there, and you we just never, went ahead and just decided. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I, I do though. I think the Chiefs first, and also like I learned my lesson on betting against the Chiefs, right? To take any sort of step back ever, so I have learned my lesson at least for now. Speaking of the Super Bowl champs, of course, because. What else would we talk about on Joe and Amber when James Steele is doing the writing? Yeah. Instead of opening up the season versus the Bills or the Bengals, the Dolphins, or the Eagles at home, they open up their season against the Detroit Lions. An interesting choice, but one that is much deserving for Detroit, according to Lewis Riddick.
2: Look at how their season ended last year, finishing 8-2. and two. Look at how Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, had the defense ball at the end of last year and how they had like some young superstars emerge. I mean... Aiden Hutchinson's going to be a household name. He already was. He's going to be a big-time household name this year. Offensively, Jared Goff made people think that maybe Sean McVay made a mistake, you know, running him out of L.A. Jameer Gibbs, their first rounder from Alabama, is an absolute, just electrifying Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara type of hybrid. These guys are for real, man.
1: All right, so the Chiefs-Lions, that's the opening game of the season, Amber. What game are you most looking forward to this year?
0: Uh, Not that one, James, but good try. Uh, I guess if I have to choose a game I'm most looking forward to this year, it would be that Black Friday game, the first ever Black Friday game of the New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. The Aaron Rodgers-New York Jets losing to Tua Tungvaloa and the Miami Dolphins will just be beautiful.
1: I want to say Eagles-Giants on Christmas because nothing better on Christmas than stepping all over Little Blue. But I'm starting to realize Christmas is a Monday and I'm probably going to be scheduled to work on Tuesday. So I really can't get it in the way I would probably like to get it in if I'm going to be able to function on Tuesday. So I'll probably have to get back to you on that one. I do love the idea. I believe it's the New Year's Eve game between Kansas City and Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Every single (laughs) time those two teams play each other, it's awesome. So if you're going to put that on New Year's Eve, for a nerd like me who's not going to go out i'll be asleep by 9 30 pacific time that is pacific time
0: that doesn't make a difference your body is on pacific time like you it live does in for a when the game zone. starts
1: because if the game if i'm if, if i go to bed at 9 30 on the eastern time zone i don't know when that game starts if that's a oh. night game i wouldn't see the end of it you see okay. what i'm saying
0: i th- i thought you were just trying to say i go to bed at 9 30 but like that is more acceptable because i'm on Pacific no. time. And I'm like, it's that's not, not acceptable actually how at it all. works because it's still 930 to your body. Got
1: Correct. Me. I really just am trying <laughs> to let you know I will be able to see the end of the game and that is when I will probably call it a year.
0: Uh, that That is when I suppose you will call it a year. <laughs> yeah. um, and we'll see. We'll see how that game goes. But yes, that is a good one. That is an... That is a fun game that they scheduled that then. And then, of course, the Super Bowl rematch, fun game as well. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Washington, D.C. is celebrating tonight. We will get into the new era there. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: Mix heat just getting underway right now. But the Panthers over in the NHL are up on the Leafs to zip we'll continue to keep you updated on both of those games throughout joe and amber you can find him on social at joe fort You can find me as well at amber w sports so the end of an era it is official that josh harris is now going to be the owner of of the Washington Commanders, a group led by the co-owner of the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils reached an agreement with Dan and Tanya Snyder. Both sides announced the deal today. We already knew this was coming down the pipe, Joe, but it became official. The Josh Harris group agreed to pay a record $6.05 billion for the team, according to sources telling ESPN that is a pretty penny.
1: I mean, imagine what it's like being someone who owns an NFL team and when they sell that team, everybody, literally everybody in a country where we never have a unanimous opinion on anything, everybody cheers the sale because they hate you that much. This isn't like the Roger Goodell hate when he comes out for the draft and everyone boos him like they genuinely hate this man and Daniel Snyder and they are all thrilled he's gone. So for Harris's group coming in, first thing, right out of the gate, you got to change the name. You got to change the name. And this isn't to knock commanders. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. You have got to change the uniforms, and you have got to change the name. You have got to get the stink of Snyder out of there as fast as humanly possible. If this is going to be a new era, a new time, a new ownership group, it's not like when they were the Redskins changing that name there was a lot that went into that there's a lot that goes into changing names now they've been changing names every other year I don't think it would be a huge problem come in change the name change the uniforms that doesn't mean get rid of the colors but bring back the old color schemes have new uniforms for this season and start fresh send the message that this is going to be a new era because ownership alone that change is huge but you got to send that message to the fans they're not going to want any hangover from the Snyder era
0: I don't disagree they don't want the hangover from the snyder era and it doesn't help that he chose the name and it was under that ownership group that they made that name change but it does feel like a franchise that has had to deal with that right to go from that to the the washington football team to the commanders and so if from the fan perspective is it annoying like do you actually want the name changed or you're like all right like let's move forward we already bought the merch let's move forward I'm used to calling them the commanders now I I don't love the name the commanders that's certainly not the name I would have chosen I actually thought it was cool when they were the football team or the Agreed. Washington football team I would have stuck with that I thought it was dope but now that they are the commanders and again it hasn't been that long I don't know I don't know if I see the ownership group coming in and doing that there's so much that goes into that a whole relaunch obviously a whole logo relaunch all the merch all the uniforms everything that goes into that I think what's far more important important than that is making sure that they don't replicate the same mistakes that have been happening in Washington all these years. And there's the obvious mistakes under the Daniel Snyder regime that, of course, nobody's going to try to replicate. I'm not even talking about those. I mean, in terms of the lack of winning on the football field and the way that that franchise from a football perspective as well has also conducted itself. It has been a huge stain on the NFL for a very, very long time. And I think that this brings hope that things are going to change there in Washington. It certainly brings hope to a former player there from the Washington Commanders, Robert Griffin III, ESPN's NFL analyst, was on NFL Live. And he reacted to the news that the Commanders have officially been sold.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, man. Listen, the fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me calm down. The fans have been waiting for this moment for, it feels like a decade. Okay, so to announce it and finally have finality, this is going to be the group. This is going to be your owner. That group has so many DC ties in it. It's going to make the fan base understand that these guys know what they've been going through and they have a path forward to help rebuild this team to be where it needs to be, which is one of the top grossing teams in all of the NFL. So I'm over here punching air in a good way. For the fans, because I know it's a party in my city right now.
0: Tune in for baseball action this weekend. Saturday, the Red Sox host the Cardinals. Coverage begins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the app. And Sunday, you get another interleague battle between the Red Sox and the Cardinals on Sunday night baseball. Coverage of that game begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN app. And at 7 p.m. on ESPN Television. So a fired up RG3 there, Joe. And I would imagine that he is speaking for the fans and a lot of former players when it comes to the change of regime there in Washington.
1: Without question, please, by all means, get a microphone in front of 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan hated him. That whole Shanahan regime, because his dad, Mike, was there. But then you had Kyle on the staff, uh, Sean McVay was on the staff, I think Mike McDaniel was on that staff. You have a lot of guys who are head coaches or coordinators now that were on that Mike Shanahan staff in Washington. They had an awful relationship with Snyder, absolutely awful. So this new groups coming in. Like I said, I would change the name, I would change the uniforms, and I think we're going to start hearing very shortly thereafter plans about a new stadium getting a new site, and getting a new stadium built. That's how it's going to go. Your new ownership group coming in, you can say what you want about how the Sixers are playing. They've owned a team before. Like, the Sixers aren't dysfunctional. They're just not elite. That's okay. You blow a series, so what? They just want a functional relationship in D.C., and they're going to get it.
0: Yeah, you know that this owner has that experience anyways. Yeah. An owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, an owner of the NHL's New Jersey Devils, so certainly ownership pedigree there with the Josh Harris Group, now the owner as well of the Washington Commanders. For $6.05 billion, the last franchise that set a landmark in sports was the Denver Broncos when rob walton bought them not that long ago for 4.65 billion so just in that time though we've gone from 4.65 billion for an nfl team to 6.05 billion it is good to own an nfl team yep. even if you unfortunately run it into the
1: joe and amber the podcast